Well, good morning to you. My name is Kurt, Kurt Bradford, and uh, they couldn't get anybody else. <laughs> so they went down the list and finally got down to this one, and they said, well, we'll, we'll call this guy. Uh, but I promise you, just like Elizabeth Taylor told her husband, uh, her third husband, I won't keep you long. Um, <laughs> Bada boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh, appreciate it, Brian. Great music. Great music, brother. I do appreciate that. Uh, I love everything that you did there. Uh, just, just so you'll know who is the bald guy talking uh, this week, I arrived in Charleston about 30 years ago. Well, it'll be 30 years uh, next June uh, to pastor Midland Park Baptist Church. Uh, and I was there for, well, I just retired back in 2014 after 26 years of being there with uh, that church. We relocated and became River Bluff Church. And, and uh, whenever they, uh, whenever we, my, the guy that was my associate pastor became the pastor. And uh, then they commissioned me to uh, sort of steward uh, 40 years of ministry uh, as, a, as a help to, coach, uh, to pastors and churches. And so uh, I meet with the uh, pastors and churches all, all the time. Just uh, most, of, most of the meeting is just to say, how can I help? And uh, sometimes it's um, just meeting over coffee and talking about personal issues. And sometimes it's uh, talking about uh, other things, church issues. Uh, uh, there have been several occasions now where Saturday afternoon at about 2 o'clock, someone will call and say, uh, listen, uh, I'm sick. Is there any way you can fill in for me? Uh, Sunday, and so I, I try to do that. And whenever uh, Kenny and them came here, uh, you know, asked me to come and help here. I said, "Well, you know, I'll pray about it." And and felt like the Lord, the Lord was in it. I, I'm aware of the fact you've had recent changes in pastoral leadership here, and so you're entering into a, a transitional time. And I've agreed to to be here for a few Sundays. I've also told Kenny and them that it would really help me that if I don't fit. You know what I mean? If I don't fit, please tell me. Now, if you're, don't leave me up here talking next week saying, I really wish that guy would go home. You know, that sort of a thing. And, and the worst thing you can do, though, is say, bless his heart. Because I, I know what that means. I know exactly what that means. You know, you used to be able to say, she's as ugly as homemade sin, bless her heart. You know, so... So I know all of that, you know, but I wanted to tell you, uh, before I get into the message, here are my plans uh, for the following Sundays, because I, I, I crafted today's message uh, in anticipation of being here again. And so uh, I plan to teach the scriptures. Uh, that's all I know to teach. Uh, Kurt's opinion is just Kurt's opinion. Scripture is God's word. So I'm going to try to teach you God's word and then help you to know what to do with it. I'm going to pray for you. And for your church and for your church family, uh, I'll pray for you specifically if you write it down and, and tell me because I will be 70 in June, so I won't remember it once you tell me. Write it down and uh, I'll be glad to pray for you personally. I'm going to pray for, for your staff, pray for Jason and other members of the staff and leadership teams. And I, re I wrote around Highland Park. Now, I've been here a while, so like I can say going on 30 years. When I came here, I think Ed Carney was the pastor here when I came here. And, then, and Ron Dillon followed him. Now, Ron Dillon is one of my best friends. Ron Dillon and I were born on exactly the same day, the same year, although he hasn't weathered it as well as I have. Um, you know, I, I know that. And, uh, but he's one of my dear friends. We've been friends now for, well, actually, thir almost 30 years now. We've been friends back when 
uh, later on when he was here, when he went to Georgetown and all of that. So, but this church has been an influence in this community for decades, and it still is. And, and this church is an influence in this community, whether you have a pastor or a visiting ball speaker. <laughs> this community needs this church. Just like, the, just like the world needs the church to perform the functions God has called it to do, this community needs Highland Park Baptist Church. I rode around the community this morning before I, before I came here for the early service. And uh, just praying for the community. I mean, there's, there's a lot of diverse people here in this community, and every single one of them need to know Jesus. And those who, do, who already know him and have it connected to a church, they need to be here. This would be a great place for them to be because you love the Lord. You have a testimony that exceeds you know, more than you know that people love this church. So that's just a word of, of encouragement. I will ask you to pray for me uh, during this time so that I will you know, hear what the Lord wants me to teach about and talk about. Now, if you have your Bibles, open them, please, to Mark chapter 4. We're going to read a rather long passage this morning. It's about 25 verses, but, but I think it's necessary uh, to lay the foundation for what I'm intending to do uh, over the next three or four Sundays, or if today's the only one, it'll, maybe it'll help you. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1, it'll be on the screen. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. 
And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. I want us to pray again now. And we're going to ask you at the end of the prayer, if you would join me in praying the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray using the word trespasses. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning uh, as people who are absolutely aware of our deep need for you. For apart from you, we can do nothing. So I ask you now to fill each person in this room. I ask you to work on each heart. I ask you to use the words of my mouth, the preparations, my prayers, all of the things, the music. God, I pray that you would use it to do what you want to do in the hearts and minds and lives of all of the people gathered here in this room today. And I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, as we pray the way you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. I neglected to introduce my wife, Joyce. That's Joyce. (laughs) 48 years this year. Um, Yeah, one of the most patient people on the planet, I think. Jesus is, is teaching us a lot in this particular parable. He's, he's teaching us a lot about what you do with what you hear. And I'm not just talking about what you hear in sermons, but what you hear whenever God is speaking through his word. In your, in your program there, Jason and him have, have suggested scripture readings for this week so that you can read scripture every day. And, it, and it's wonderful that you read. You know, back when I was a boy, they used to have a little point system where you check off, you know, when you come to Sunday school, Bible read, lesson read, brought your, you know, all of that and everything. So some of us, we think that we've done our, we've done our duty if we read a Bible verse or, or a devotional or something along that, you know, because many of us have come to value the Scripture. We, we consider it the Word of God, but we think that what God wants us to do is to know it. And if we grow a little bit, we say, well, maybe what he wants us to do is to believe it. But I think God's purpose in giving us his word is for us not just to know it, believe it, and trust it, but actually to live it. Because Jesus is teaching us in the scriptures how to live the good and beautiful life. The life of a follower of Jesus Christ is the good and beautiful life. And so Jesus teaches us all the time, bringing scriptures to us. And when Jesus speaks, you know we're talking about scriptures. And so Jesus looks at this in this text here in verse 1. It says that there's a crowd. 
There's a huge crowd of people. There's so many people there that he had to get into a boat, some say Peter's boat, to get into the boat to, to push out so that he could speak to the crowd. I've been to the place where they think this took place, and it's, a, it's kind of a, a half-moon-shaped place where you can look up and, and see you know, the, uh, the people, the crowd. There could be thousands on that hill, and the acoustics are such that they can hear all the way up in there. But Jesus had to get out into the boat, and Jesus is teaching them. Now, notice it says in verse 2, he was teaching them many things in parables. So this isn't the only parable that he taught them. This is one of the parables. So he's told several parables. He has come away from being, um, well, the best way to put it is that in, in chapter 3, I believe chapter 3, verse 6, it says that the Pharisees and the Herodians, after hearing the teaching of Jesus, they were trying to find how they could destroy him. That was their goal, to destroy him. So this is when Jesus looks out there and he sees a crowd. And, you know, he, he wasn't like uh, we preachers are. We think if we're preaching to a crowd, it's a better thing. Jesus knew that just because you have a crowd doesn't mean that everybody's listening. Jesus also knew that in that crowd were some Pharisees that would love to see him dead. Jesus also knew that there were some people out there that were just, just checking him out to find out. So Jesus says, look, I, I've been telling you these parables. I've been teaching these wonderful things I've been teaching about how to live the good and beautiful life. But then he stops and he says, let me tell you a little story. And he tells this story of a sower who goes out and sows seed. Now, the way they sowed the seed then, we believe is that they, they just scattered it. Now, when I was a boy, my mother and father divorced when I was 12, and we moved to a little place called Union, South Carolina. And we lived there with my grandparents, and they had, a, they had about three acres worth of land, and whenever my mama and four kids moved in with them, we had to start gardening. And so the way they did was we plowed. We plowed a hole, I mean, a row. And then you plant the seed, then you cover it over. Well, that's not what they did. By the way, that's why I don't have a garden today. I've done my time. I have done my time. You know, especially, any of y'all ever planted tomatoes? You know, they itch like the dickens, don't they? And okra and all that. You know, where was I? Okay. Uh, so anyway, when they, when they plant, they scattered the seed everywhere. And sometimes it would fall on, on the pathway. And sometimes it would fall on the soil that was more rock than soil. And sometimes it would fall where the, where the briars and the brambles and the thorns were. And then sometimes it'd fall on good soil. And Jesus says, look, the, the, I'm going to put this out there for you, that sometimes there's the soil, it comes out, and the seed comes out, and sometimes it bears fruit, and sometimes it doesn't. And then he stops and says, let he who has ears to hear, hear. And the people are probably looking at one another and say, well, now that was a nice story, but what's that about? What's that all about? And even his disciples said, look later here, he goes over when he was alone, verse 10. Those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said, to you has been given the secret. That's the Greek word mysterion. He's talking about a mystery. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Now he's talking there primarily to his disciples and to those who are going to follow him. This is in anticipation, I think. I think it's in anticipation of the coming of the Holy Spirit. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, when you were saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. So when you hear teaching, you have an advantage that everybody else doesn't have. That's when he talks about those outside, they don't understand. He's talking about outside the kingdom of God. So whenever the scripture is taught, you have an advantage that people who don't know Jesus don't have. 
You have the Holy Spirit to help you. And Jesus is anticipating that. And he's saying, you know, I'm here with you. He's, he's also saying, I'm giving you an advantage that they don't have. You've got me. I will explain it to you. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of Jesus, of God the Father. It's part of the Trinity. So he's, that's what he's saying there is that you, you have this advantage so that you hear. And then he begins to explain it to them. And he tells them, you know, that when I preach, he says, sometimes some people, it's like seed. It's the word of God. And sometimes that seed falls on the pathway. And the pathway is generally considered to be hard because it's been walked on a lot. He said, so some seeds falls there, birds come along, take it away. And that's just the same thing that Satan does to some people whenever the word is sown. Satan comes and takes it away because their hearts and their lives are hard. Then he says, and sometimes it falls into this ground that's mostly rocks. But there's some dirt there, not a lot of dirt, but there's some rocks, most of it. And when the seed falls in there, it, it uh, comes up, but then it dies and withers away because it doesn't have really strong roots. And what he's saying is that there's some people who, when they hear the teachings of Jesus, they go, that, that's really great. I like that. That's wonderful. And then they promptly forget it. And it bears no fruit in their lives. Then the third application of it, he says that there are some others that they have so many things going on in their lives, so many things that choke the word, that, that the word, in terms of their priorities in life, this is like number nine. And so it really bears no fruit. But then there's where the word goes into good hearts, and it changes their lives. Now, this text has obviously immediate application to evangelism. When the gospel is... Did any of you see the Billy Graham service on TV or anything, watch that. Yeah. I was in, uh, in uh, Greenville all week in the upstate and uh, at North Greenville University this, this whole week doing some So I didn't get to see it until Friday night when I got home and uh, Joyce and I watched it together. We, I watched the service there and, I, and I'm watching that as they're preaching that, that uh, Franklin Graham and Ann Graham Lotz, by the way, Ann trumped him. I don't, you know, I'm not, just saying now, you know, I'm not advocating women preachers. I'm just saying that Boy, if she did a good job on that one, you know, uh, don't tar and feather me until I get to the car. So, uh, so anyway, they preached, and the gospel was presented very clearly, not just by one person, but by several persons. Would you agree that it was presented, and Scripture was read, and everybody there, I think they heard the gospel. They heard all of that. They heard how, if they don't know how to be saved now, they don't, it's going to be a hard time. However... There's no way to know whether the hearts of those folks were ready to receive the gospel, is there? See, it's entirely possible for someone to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the person hearing it to just fold their arms and say, go ahead, go ahead, hurry up, get it over with, and not listen, apply, or receive Christ. It's also possible for people that were in that crowd to, to have heard the gospel and say, well, you know, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, they weren't hostile to it. They just don't really care. You know, I got some other stuff going, you know, and they probably said something like, well, everybody's got to have a religion. I guess that's how Billy did his. And others of them, they might have heard it and they said, you know what, honey? We are going to find us a church, and we're going to get involved in church. And just as soon as I can, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. I'm going to do that one of these days, one of these days, one of these, one of these, one of these. Before long, you know, everything's back like it was. But then there may have been some who actually heard it and might have even prayed with them 
as they prayed. I really believe that probably somewhere in the world, you know that was broadcast globally, by the way. There, there were people all over the world listening to that, and I really do believe. I, matter of fact, I prayed. And I asked God, if there are people who are hearing that, and they're not believers in Christ, may they come to Christ when they hear that. That was the prayer I was having. And many of us, we, we feel that way when we hear the gospel preached. You know, we're praying somebody gets saved, and, and, and surely to goodness, I want to do that. But I've made an assumption that may be erroneous or may not. I've come here on the assumption that probably 90% of you here have already been born again. That you can remember the time when you repented of your sin and gave your heart to Jesus. And, and you have been trying to walk the walk of Jesus now for many, many years. And, and you look at a parable like this and you say, well, how does that apply to me? Oh, brother and sister in Christ, this is also a parable about discipleship. Because you see, it is possible for the born-again believer in Jesus Christ to hear the word and have a hard heart or no response to reject it. It is possible for the born-again believer to hear the scripture and, and to really uh, say they're going to commit to it and then fall away and do nothing. It's, it's entirely possible for you as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ to hear the scriptures taught and do nothing with it. You see, that is the big idea about this entire text, is that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we're responsible for the stewardship of the Word of God. See, one of the, when I decided to retire, one of my friends said, well, now are you going to go fishing or, or whatever? Nobody suggested about the garden. They know how I feel about that. But uh, or what are you going to do and everything? And I said, well, I'm not done. Forgive my English. I, I'm not through. I've got work to do. And, and what occurred to me is that I, I am to be a steward of my experience. I've got over 40 years in the pastorate. Uh, and so I, I've, I've, I'm to be a steward of that. Well, it occurred to me also that when I'm reading the scriptures and God is speaking to me through his word and God is pointing out things to me, I am to be a steward of his word. What do I do? See, one of the things that I think most of us Christians forget is that we, we just talk about grace, 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 and you are forgiven by grace. You are made right by the grace of God. You are saved by faith. God has done it all through Jesus Christ. But if you want to have a changed life, you're going to have to do more than know what God said. Why do you think that hymn, Trust and Obey, is so popular? That is genuinely a Christian hymn. How about sing that with me? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. See, what you do with God's Word matters. You can hear God's Word and you can say, boy, that was a good one. If, if it's a preacher, you can say, boy, that." That was a good one. Or if it's me, you can say, where are we going next week, honey? But, I mean, you, you can hear God's word read to you. You can read it in your devotional. You know, you, you can hear it on the radio or what, but you can hear God's word. And if, and if all you do with it is go, well, that was nice, then you misunderstand what Jesus is saying, that the secret, the secret to the kingdom of God 
is that you are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. And you have never met a mere mortal. God is not just saving you and holding on, hoping you can live moral till he takes you to heaven. God wants to change your life. God wants to take it. That's why the Apostle Paul talks about put off and put on. That's what he's saying. That's why repentance. You know, recently we, had the, we celebrated the anniversary of Martin Luther 90, nailing the 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg church and everything. You know what the very first one of his 95 theses was? All of life is repentance. All of life. Because the church had taught that you need to go every now and then to see the priest and confess and repent. Repentance is when you hear from God. You, you embrace his word. You ask for forgiveness if you need it. And you begin the process of putting off what God says to put off and put on what God says to put on. That's why so many people have a problem with managing sin. That's what Dallas Willard says. All we ever do is manage sin. We're not managing. Managing sin means you know that if, you, if you're really greedy, you just try hard not to be. That's managing sin. Discipleship is you, 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 God has shown you that you're a bit greedy. So God says, look, let's replace that with generosity. And you have to train yourself for the purpose of godliness, as Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.7. So God, God is at work in you to conform and change you. Because he's trying to make you into something that is most Christians have not really grasped to be like Jesus. I don't take that too far. You'll never make it. But Christ-likeness is God's goal for you. Another saying I heard once is God is making you into someone he can trust. You have about as much as you can be trusted with right now. So when God comes to you in his word, whether it's in scripture through the preaching or whether it's your Sunday school class or your small group or maybe your devotional that you're reading, when God comes to you, there are two questions you need to ask. Number one, what did God say? Not what did God say that that I'm going to teach in a Sunday school class, but what did God say to you? Question number two, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with what God said? See, it's entirely possible that God has been sharing things and speaking to you for many, many, many years. And because you just know what he said, rather than think, I'm to implement this. If God says be generous, he's not just telling you a characteristic that you ought to have. He's telling you an activity to begin doing. And if you're like me, one of the things you have to do is you have to do it for quite a while. Uh, I have a little continuum. I say there's some things that you do because you have to. You know, like uh, when I first got periodontal disease, they, they told me I needed to floss. So I began flossing and I didn't like it at all. You know, but then after a while, you know, when I knew I was going to see the dentist, I normally tried to floss the day before I went to see the dentist, you know. <laughs> Do y'all do that too? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like working out before you go to the doctor for your physical, you know. But I, I would, but after a while, I got to where you know I knew I knew I ought to floss. So I, you know I would floss. I, 
You know, one of my, one of my uh, dental hygienists said, you should only floss the teeth you want to keep. I know that was a good one. So I, I, I knew I ought to floss. Well, after a while, I began to actually want to floss. I thought, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I want to. Yeah, excuse me, I need to go in the bathroom. I wasn't one of those guys that flosses at the dinner table. I, I would excuse myself. But then after a while, I actually began to like it quite a bit. So, so what I did was I went from have to, to ought to, to need to, to want to, to love to. Well, sometimes we have to see the commands of Jesus and look at them as, first of all, being truth, because they are from the Son of God. That they are truth. And we, and we may approach and say, well, I have to do this. Then moving to the place where you ought to do this then where you know that you need to do this. And pretty soon you move into the want to and love to, and there'll be a place where you'll be going, wow, I can't imagine not living this way. I can't imagine. Now listen, you'll never reach perfection. Don't hear me saying that. But God will change your life. That's what he meant over here in the ending part of the, it's really part of the first parable. Over from, uh, in the end of 25, he says, 24, pay attention to what you hear. And then he says, with the measure that you use. And what he's talking about is what you do with what you've heard. That the more you uh, implement that which you hear from the scripture, the more change you will see in your life that God begins to change things. It's God doing the work from the inside out. You can't take credit for it. It's It's not you earning your salvation. Salvation is a gift from God. Discipleship is, is uh, living out the promise of God and the blessing of God and the salvation of God to change your life so that you begin to live as Jesus would live if he were you. That's what we're talking about here. And he says that it will be measured to you. And then look at the last part of verse 24. And still more will be added to you. More. And he's talking about the fruit now. Now what's the fruit of a Christian? I think, you know, this is simple, but I think there are two. One is other Christians. They're, 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 uh, recently, like I said, I was at North Greenville this past week, and uh, one of the uh, courses that I was taking there, a fellow shared with us some statistics that are pretty recent, that uh, four, and this is about the SBC, the Southern Baptist Church, 4% of Southern Baptist at- attenders, they didn't take the whole membership, because we have like 15 million people, and, but about 7 million that attend regularly. Of the 7 million that attend regularly, 4% say they have ever shared their faith with another person. 4%. And see, is sharing your faith a command of Jesus? <laughs> you see what I mean? You know, see... Uh, Many of us believe you should walk, you should witness. Everybody in here probably does. I don't know a single pastor you have ever had who didn't tell you you should witness. You know, but the truth is we don't do it. And I'm a firm believer that your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. So God says to us, listen, I'm, I'm glad that you know you should witness, are you? Then you have to begin to say, well, why am I not? What is it that's going on in me that I hear the words from God and I do nothing with them except know them? Well, my prayer for you for the next several weeks is that I will bring the word 
and that you will prepare your heart. I promise to prepare and pray and uh, do everything I can to, to make it clear. I promise you that. But I'm asking you, if you probably don't need to promise, but commit, that you will ask God in the coming days to prepare your heart for what God has to say to you through his word, through the services, through devotionals, and all of that. We will together, if I prepare and pray and plan, and you prepare and pray and plan and ask God to open up that heart, I think the best days of Highland Park Baptist Church are about to come. But if all we do is what we've always done, if all we do is listen to a talk, go home and rate the preacher on a scale of 1 to 10, we will have missed what God intended for you to do during the 11 o'clock hour on Sundays at Highland Park Baptist Church. Would you pray with me? It's entirely possible that this morning there are those of you here who have never given your heart, your life to Jesus. It's something you say you're going to get around to one day, but you've never done it. Today might be the day that would be a good day for you to do that. Pastor Jason is going to come down to the front here. We're going to sing a song in a minute, but Pastor Jason will be here at the front. And if you've never given your life to Christ, you ask Pastor Jason, how do you do that? Or tell him that you're ready. If you want to talk about it over coffee or something along those lines, you let us know. I'll be glad to meet any one of you here who wants to talk about what does it mean to become a follower of Jesus. Perhaps this is a church maybe where you want to be part of this church. God has his hands on this church. God is working in this church. And God has a lot of work ahead for this church. They would love to have you to be part of it. If God is prompting your heart and your spirit, come down here. Tell Pastor Jason, he'll make that happen. And just maybe if there's some other decision or something you need one of us to pray for you, we'll be here at the front. So during the singing of this song, I pray that God will move on your spirit. Now let's pray. God, I ask you now to do whatever you want to do. I have no idea what you want to do in this crowd of people. All I know is that you're Lord. And I know your Holy Spirit is working. I know that you use even flawed and uh, awful speakers sometimes to do your work. So I pray, Lord, now that your word would touch the hearts of those who are gathered here and that you would do whatever you want to do in that person. This I pray in Jesus' name.